0: Hello and welcome. I'm Simon.
1: I am Haney. And I'm Alexander.
0: We are Needy Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 228, recorded on May 24th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needypintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. And we are back with the second episode special build episode, and as everyone knows from Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and most other things, the sequel is always better than the first one, Uh, because this time we're covering Azure and the thing that everyone cares about, which is endpoints, windows, and things like
2: that. But first we're going to start with containers and stuff, (laughs) and not endpoints.
0: (laughs) Container endpoints, I guess. Sorry. Private endpoints. Public employees? Yeah, Private yeah. containers?
2: Private containers? Yeah, that works, I guess. I confidential guess. <laughs> computing. Yeah, there was a bunch of actually confidential computing updates to different services, including uh, container instances and Azure Kubernetes Service. <laughs> and yeah, that's okay. But I'm going <laughs> to focus on some other, <laughs> other aspects it- for some reason. It's
1: okay,
2: but no no fun. I'm sorry. Yes. So uh, for some reason, I think my my interests are in some other areas, I could say. So there is a few uh, updates that have come into what oftentimes Microsoft calls, um, well, cloud-native area of Azure. And what that mostly means is, you know, containers, Azure Container Apps, Azure Kubernetes Service, and maybe some of the serverless things are as well are contained in that area. So that's where I'm mainly going to be focusing on. And somehow, you know, the whole intelligent uh, area comes to this scene as well. Uh, I'm not as 100% sure what it means in this context, But everything enables you to build intelligent applications as well. Of course, because that's what everyone wants, intelligence. (laughs) I'm sorry. But yeah, on the container side, really what we've seen is the Azure container apps developing at a fast pace recently because it is a newer offering than AKS. So there is also more to... Uh, more to really improve on as well. That's really what it is saying. So there is actually a few different uh, additions that have come to Azure Container Apps. And one of them is that you are able to take your containerized Azure functions and deploy them in an Azure Container App. Interesting, isn't it?
0: Please explain.
2: (laughs) So normally you would run... Azure Functions, um, well, really, essentially behind the scenes, you have the app service offering, Azure mm-hmm. app service plans, whether it is so that you're running the function serverless so that it's really quite transparent to you or, or you are specifying a certain capacity there as well. That's possible, too. But this is giving you the option that if you, for example, have an application that you are running in containers, but it also requires some API type of uh, endpoints as well. You could develop them with, as an Azure function, as a containerized Azure function, and then deploy it into your Azure container apps. Does that make sense? Simon looks very confused.
0: Yeah, but if Alexander (laughs) understands this, it's fine by me. (laughs) No, it, it, it feels
1: like the uh, the added capability that not nobody knew they needed.
2: Yeah. One thing that this could really ease is, for example, networking, communication between services, because that is kind of like with functions, you have just these single instances of APIs that run. And if you do have any networking requirements, getting them to talk to, securely to each other can be kind of difficult.
1: So you're, you're combining the uh, control you get with containers with the simplicity of development you get with Azure Functions.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Now I understand. You, you can look at it like this, Simon. This is Azure Functions with benefits.
0: <laughs> I, was, I, th- I, I thought you were going to say, this is for grown-ups.
1: <laughs> well, you can look at it any way you want, but... Yeah, that's another kind of benefits. Definitely. But yeah, go yeah, go, go for it, man. <laughs> Benefits are only
0: yeah. for grown ups.
2: Exactly. A second capability that has come in is that in addition to apps, you can now uh, run a job in Azure Container Apps as well. You can get a job, and what a job means is that it has some kind of a finite lifespan, so it is not something that will be there necessarily. Uh, forever, it will be something that starts, gets triggered by something, for example, does some processing, and then that job is done, and then it might be triggered at a later point again. So you can have a manual trigger that you trigger when needed, or a scheduled trigger, or a event-driven trigger, event-driven trigger as well. That would be one option, and this really brings in, whereas. Uh, in the Kubernetes side of things, you have different kinds of workloads that, or services that you can run in Kubernetes, and each of those is really like optimized for that use case. So the jobs are really optimized for when you need to run, for example, some kind of background processing for your application. Now you both look confused.
0: No, I think that makes total sense, because that must be like okay. the perfect way of using containers. Like you spin it up, you know it works. When it's done, it's done, and it disappears. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's basically like the tax agency. They just pop up once every year, do their work, and then disappear again.
2: Yeah,
1: that was a horrible (laughs) analogy. But again, (laughs) you're combining the control with with uh, you get with with containers with Mm -hmm. the simplicity of of creating like elastic jobs. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Another thing that has come in is that uh, there has been already this support for Dapper, uh, which is really like how you make the different, for example, apps you have running in your Azure Container apps talk to each other and what is the modes that they can communicate in. Um, Now there's this capability that has come in that you can have Dapper components for Azure services. So uh, essentially you can define, for example, that you need to, um, for example, integrate with some publish and subscribe type of service. Then it will give you some Azure services that could fulfill that need. For example, event hubs or service bus or something like that. And then you can choose which specific Azure resource you want that to be connected with. So really you have this very like, easily defined way of integrating with different Azure resources from your Azure Container Apps environment, which hasn't been, it's been possible before, but now it's more uh, like it's not just something you plug on, but it is a more deeper integration, I guess one could say. So really exciting things on the Azure Container Apps side that I think are going to make it a more mature Uh, service to use going forward. Then there is one more additional announcement uh, that has to do with containers, and that is Azure Container Storage. Now in preview, (laughs) the blank stare in both of your faces.
1: I mean, uh, adding, adding storage to a container is not a new thing.
2: But but where the need comes is that like there's this increasing amount of containerized applications that are being put into the cloud. I think we're really in the shift where we are getting applications from VMs to containers. And what comes along with that is that there is persistent storage needs for those containers. And yeah, you can set it up, but there's often things that you need to consider to do that in a Way that really works in the long run. So, there is this new service called Azure Container Storage that makes that easier for you. That if you do need uh, storage for, for example, if you run a database in a container like MySQL, or you run Kafka in a container, or CI CD tools, or anything like that, you will need that persistent storage for your application to run correctly, even if your container goes down and a new one comes up. That's really kind of the value of containers. What this brings to the table is that it it kind of ensures that you are able to um, move that volume across a cluster, for example, uh, to if it is needed and you need, for example, uh, higher pod availability or anything like that. Um, It also brings in scaling into the mix for the storage layer. So if pods scale up or scale out, uh, that storage will also be able to follow along with that. And uh, it just simplifies the management of volumes for you. That is, I think, the main main thing that it enables you to do. What is behind the uh, container storage, you kind of create this container storage pool uh, is that you? Behind the scenes, it also still leverages Azure disks uh, and two kind of new components: Azure Elastic SAN and ephemeral disks. So there is kind of other components that are involved in it. I don't think we have so much time to go into details today, but uh, maybe we can talk about it this in a later point if there's enough interest.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really curious on how. Because you mentioned a couple of storage things there, which I think in a way would be really interesting to know more about how they're combining the best of all of those things. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about container storage another time.
1: Combining persistent storage and ephemeral disks. Exactly. I'm sorry, what? (laughs)
2: Yeah. It, It is a bit of a like, what does this actually mean? And since we were talking about sprinkling DevOps on everything, <laughs> we're going to sprinkle some GitHub advanced security into Azure DevOps, which makes complete sense. I'm I'm not sure why it just can't be advanced security in Azure DevOps, why the GitHub needs to be in it. But it is essentially within GitHub. There has been these GitHub advanced security features uh, already for a little while. And now within Azure DevOps, you are able to have these capabilities as well. That's the name. It is maybe a little, uh, seems a little unnecessarily long, maybe. But for example, what you're able to get in is you are able to have code scanning. So uh, it is able to figure out whether there is any vulnerabilities in your source code and give you guidance on how to remediate that. It will also bring in secret scanning. so. It is able to identify if you have any secrets um, in your code, so that because, of course, you don't want to have secrets in your code. That's, of course, something we all know. And then it will also do dependency scanning. So, really figuring out that if you're using, for example, any open source dependencies or packages, it will be um, able to determine if there is any vulnerabilities in those and is able to bring in uh, alerts to update these as well. Really, this will enable to have ensure that your code is in a secure manner, and of course then that will affect whether your application is going to be secure, whether you have vulnerable dependencies, for example, in there or not. Very cool.
0: Yeah, and to me, this I don't know how much you have um, heard or talked about Cyber Resilience Act, which will uh, be in place very, very soon, across the EU at least, mm-hmm. uh, where you're required to secure everything in your code, even dependencies that mm-hmm. you previously were never like in charge of, that is now your responsibility. So I think this makes total yes. sense that if you're using libraries or plugins or components that is open source, as an example, when you put it into your code, you're responsible to ensure that it's secure, so this will likely help a lot there.
2: Yeah, and with that, we're uh, done with the cloud-native things, and now we can go back to endpoints.
0: Exactly, <laughs> as far from the cloud <laughs> as we possibly can, because we, for once, we won't. the
1: enthusiasm that Haney put into that was <laughs> that was worthy of me. <laughs> We're very well played, thank
0: you.
2: I have been well trained.
0: <laughs> we we have saved the vegetables until last on the plate. But I, I was actually going to start with Copilot, and and we spoke a little bit about uh, Power BI Copilot in our, our previous episode. Um, and and there are a lot of Copilot announcements, and one of the new things for Microsoft 365 Copilot is the ability. For developers to create plugins for that. So, then first I was like, okay, why why is this important? But I do think that you need to look at Copilot for what it really is. Microsoft, at this point, in my opinion, have a fantastic and unique opportunity to beat Google on a thing that Google, based on their Heritage should be incredibly good at with AI, with search, with all of this. Microsoft now, together with OpenAI, have done ChatGPT and all of this. And now they use Copilot to integrate into whatever thing Mm. they can, because they want to get the most out of this and tie as many other companies as they can to their model. And that's where I see that the plugins are essential. Because what the plugins for Microsoft 365 Copilot will be able to do is that, let's say that you use um, Adobe and you want to do something within a PDF file. So create a PDF file for me um, which contains this information that you find in your internal documents on Microsoft 365. That ties Adobe to your AI model and to Microsoft. Microsoft. And that should give them a, a rather interesting um, sit, like position. The other thing that I initially thought about, just imagine if you could use these plugins and say, hey, Simon, you have an upcoming trip to the US. We see that you haven't scheduled a flight yet. Based on all the other information we have on you and your emails and so on, we see that you prefer to fly with KLM. Would you like us to book a flight with KLM through whichever travel agency you're using based on my information in the calendar. So it ties all of these things together. And I do think that's the strategy for Microsoft. Just leverage the position they're in now, push out so many co-pilots as you can, ensure all developers use your AI mobile and then conquer the world. So that's, that's what I think, uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do with the plugins for Microsoft 365 Copilot.
2: You've really thought this through. <laughs> well,
0: like I could conquer the world when I wanted to, but I'm just <laughs> lazy enough to do it. So I've had a lot of thinking about how to do it. Uh, uh-huh. Other things that Microsoft 365 uh, Copilot will be integrated within is Edge, which again makes so much sense because if you integrate Microsoft 365 Copilot into Edge Edge on any platform will be able to query whatever you do use the plugins, use all of this and then you can really leverage Edge as what we have spoken about earlier the browser becomes your operating system the browser is the portal to everything else and you can query whatever you want from that, internal or external data. And it's also tied to your Azure AD identity. So wherever you go, if you want to do some work, you just have Edge, sign in with Azure AD, and you have access to all the information, all the plugins, you can query it with like natural language, and everything stays within the browser. And if you then combine that... With your browsing history, you can start to do some really neat things. What have I searched for? What am I doing now? Uh, And it's also separated from my uh, private things that I do in Edge. So it will only have access to my Azure AD container within Edge, which is also something they have announced during build, the Edge in work mode, and a ton of business improvements for Edge, where I would say most of them are focused on that separation of information. So where you, you can do this with Chrome today, with Chrome Enterprise. So if I sign in with my account on any device, my enterprise administrator will be able to apply security features on that browser, regardless if it's managed the, the device is managed or not. Cross-platform. That is something that they enable now. So the only thing you do, if you sign in with your Azure AD credentials on any edge browser, wherever you are, it will actually be secured by your organization over there, just like that. It also integrates per account VPN. So you sign in and it opens up a VPN connection for that account and whatever you browse with that account. So then you could reach your um, whatever solution you want internally using a VPN without configuring anything other than the browser. And an additional thing they're introducing is Edge in work mode, which will containerize that information. So you can't bring it out from that session. Hmm. So I think all of this really shows how they're investing in Edge and making Edge... Your operating system, wherever you are, with access to all of your data, with access to your AI, which are able to search for whatever they do, and that combined with like the sidebar experience in Edge and the new UX design, uh, which was introduced during build, um, I do think that we will see, at least in enterprises, a huge additional uptake of Edge, uh, because now they are bypassing Chrome on on management, which. Chrome has done really really well previously and there are really very few reasons to stay on any other browser if you're positive to Microsoft of course. We also get Windows Copilot and to me when I saw the the commercial for it it's like it's Cortana. <laughs> Why couldn't they <laughs> just bring back Cortana and say Cortana powered by OpenAI or ChatGPT. Um but so the, the thing is really, you get access to this AI assistant within your operating system and you can ask it to do search for things or do settings or how to optimize your windows to be more productive, which they tell is by using dark mode. And since I've never ever used dark mode for anything, I don't see how that will help me. But uh, <laughs> that might also explain why I'm not as productive as many of other people in the world. But... What I'm thinking of is that y- you both remember Windows 8. And I'm one of the very mm. few people in the world that loved Windows 8. Because I thought it gave me a great flow. I could press the Windows key, write whatever app I wanted, press enter, and off I did went. And I thought that that was going to be super successful. Everyone would use it. Everyone would love it. And, and we would have had no need for the start menu. But people couldn't because they thought it was challenging or hard or cumbersome to write excel <laughs> and then <laughs> press enter <laughs> do we really think that people then will be able to speak in writing to their computer asking them to turn on the screensaver i think very few people today this will likely change very few people today do things in writing the same way we use chat gpt today to when we need something it's not natural for us to write to it so i think that until we get the cortana feature to be able to speak to the device copilot it won't exactly so uh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the cortana feature to speak to co-pilot because you could speak to cortana uh, True. i don't see that we we will be able to Full benefit of it, even though I I think the idea as such is great. What what is your thoughts? Like, do you see that it will be natural for us to actually write inside the operating system and ask the operating system to do stuff?
1: For me, and and this is probably me being weird. I I probably prefer writing Mm -hmm. uh, to to speaking. I've never Mm -hmm. really so I used to have an Alexa puck. Uh, I don't anymore because we did not get along, but (laughs) it it feels, I'll just go out and say it. I ended everything that I asked for with please. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that it will come back and and it will start to take over the world with the people that were mean
0: to it. So, yeah. Yeah, but uh, But I I prefer writing. Yeah, but is it, is it natural? Because yes, you're interacting with it, but do you think like people in general will do that?
1: So back to to um, to the Alexa pack. It was when it worked, it was phenomenal, but mm-hmm. it was always so frustrating because if you used the wrong word or in tone in a specific way, it didn't do what you asked for, and yeah. then it goes from useful to absolutely wasting my time and driving me crazy which Mm -hmm. generally does not happen when i write something i may spell it crappily that's fine Mm -hmm. but i i still get my point across in a way that the 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 spoken system just didn't couldn't do i don't know if the the chat gpt stuff are any better at understanding language in that case Mm -hmm. yes
2: yeah i'm i'm wondering about the Fact that most people interact with their laptops by writing they don't speak to their laptops at least where I see people working with their laptops where <laughs> they might just be nice not to talk to their laptops at the office or somewhere else so I do yep. feel like writing can be a more natural part of everything else you do on your laptop I guess I don't know
1: I I don't want to find myself at a cafe where everybody and their cat is loudly talking to their laptop because... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but but
0: I I think we need to... I don't think I've been clear enough on what what I'm saying because I, I don't think it's bad to be able to write, but if we weren't as human beings able to write Excel and press enter in the start menu, why would we be more successful? in writing complete sentences to an ai i i might be wrong i've been wrong before like it has happened yeah windows phone windows 8 a lot of other things so <laughs> we'll we'll leave it there and, and uh, see yeah, what we'll see. happens i i like it i i think it will be fantastic then we of course need to have some dev thingies Uh, and microsoft introduced something called dev home which actually consists of a bunch of different things so dev home is really your ability to as, as i see it roam your developer environment and your connections to your developer tools and projects between devices so you have an app which is called dev home you sign in with your github account And you get a dashboard that you can configure to your needs which shows your progress, your pull requests, whatever developers are interested in. I have no clue. Uh, And that becomes your dashboard. And you can go to whichever device, a new device, someone else's device, sign in and get that full experience. Combined with, if you like, the ability to configure that device with your tools. So it will actually deploy using WinGet, whichever tools you have set up your entire developer machine the way you want it to be. Um, It will integrate GitHub into your Explorer and you can see the the status of whatever happens with your repositories. And it sets up a dev drive, which is actually super cool because that becomes a virtual disk, which is REFS formatted. So it will actually be faster and optimized for your developer file operations so i think that is a a really cool development which really enables developers to to like roam take care of their own things but will make people like myself who work on setting up pre-made developers machines redundant so thank you ai (laughs) for me
1: that i'm I'm looking forward to that because one of the the things that I hate the most is trying to set up dependencies and set up uh, development environments since I yeah. do so so little development but when I do yeah. need to do development it generally takes me about a day to get mm. the tooling in there so having a a, a virtual development machine or whatever yeah. you want to call it that mm-hmm. is huge for me how do you how okay. do I
0: pay for it uh, <laughs> I don't so this is this isn't devbox this isn't a virtual machine you do it on any no. Windows machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm, yeah. I, but, but uh, I, I don't
0: know. I, I think it's probably, I haven't looked into that. I would assume it's part of some other developer license like GitHub or Visual Studio or whatever, because it really doesn't introduce anything new. It's just a way of packaging it. And Winget yeah. is free. So, Oh, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we have so many other things that we will probably get back to uh, in other episodes uh, from Build and uh, Focus episodes and all of this. But uh, I know that Alexander started our first episode with saying that a couple of years ago, we didn't care about Build. I've watched Build keynotes since, I think, 2015 at least. Uh, and uh, today I uh, I wrote to Haney and Alexander that I, I wish Ignite. Would have as many new cool features as build, uh, because this is really fun and the old feeling of a Microsoft event. So well done to all the prog- product groups.
1: I I have to agree. This, I mean, I can't remember when they they pulled out something that completely upends hmm. everything I've built my career on lately. <laughs> the last time, because that that's essentially what Fabric yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that I have to, despite having worked with it for so long, the fact that I have to really have a hard and deep think of where this leaves me in my career, uh-huh. that says something. Either I am absolutely dumb as a post, which is not <laughs> impossible, or this is a pretty big thing.
2: <gasps> yeah. yeah. And it's exciting. That I'm dumb? Here, no. No. All these new things. It's really exciting. Not just, oh, oh, that's kind of redundant type of thing. But it's actually you <laughs> and oh, exciting yay.
1: things. Another version of Intune.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and on that burn, it's time to end the episode. Uh, we'll be back next week, I assume, if uh, I don't get my hands on Alexander, because uh, then me and Haney will be back next week, uh, and Alexander will have been deployed by Intune. Uh, so until then, thank you for listening and uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Enjoy
1: your deploy.
2: Bye-bye.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Needy Bintech. Needy Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at midiapotech.com.